Kelsey Turner has over 130,000 followers on her Instagram, which shows her cover pages and film appearances as a model. Her page is still up and it's still active, despite the fact that right now she is in prison for murder. This is Red Rum, stories about the true victims of crime. Red Rum is researched using news archives, court documents, documentaries and social media content. The show is meant purely for educational and entertainment purposes and not meant to cause anyone offence. The sources can be found in the show notes or on the website. Dr. Thomas Bruchard grew up in Boston, but when his dad got a job in Virginia, the family moved and settled there. His dad had worked at Harvard and he followed in his father's footsteps in terms of how intelligent he was. Thomas wanted to become a doctor and so worked hard at school and got good grades. He managed to get a place at medical school where he honed in on exactly what he wanted to do, child psychiatry. In 1979, he became Director of Child Psychiatry at Community Hospital of the Monterey Peninsula, and he was amazing at his job. His patients loved him and he took real pride in getting to know each and every one of them. He would keep the young patients calm and engaged by entertaining them with magic. He had a passion for learning tricks and he'd always been interested in magic. Thomas and a number of his friends decided in the early 2000s to take a trip to Las Vegas together. While he was there, he met Judy Earp, who was 12 years younger than him. The pair soon became romantically involved and moved in together. Judy had four children of her own, and although she and Thomas decided not to have children of their own, Thomas became very active in Judy's four children's lives. Thomas and Judy lived together with three of Judy's children, and they had a back garden full of farm animals, including chickens, horses, and pigs. Thomas loved nothing more than looking after and helping others, be that animals or people. The details on this next part aren't completely clear, but what we do know is that sometime in 2017, Thomas met 24-year-old Kelsey Turner. Kelsey Turner was 22 years old when she moved into the city to try to fully realise her dreams of becoming a model. Over the following few years, she modelled for Playboy Italia and Maxim. Kelsey was quite vocal about the fact she wanted to date outside of the modelling world. She thought of the men she met in the modelling industry as one type of man, and she thought she was better than that. In 2018, she described herself as a Russian-American blonde just trying to change the world. There's no evidence in the source material as to the nature of Kelsey and Thomas's relationship. There are conflicting accounts, which we'll talk about a little bit later, but ultimately, he was supporting her financially. By the time Thomas met Kelsey, he had been working at the same hospital for over 40 years. He really loved his job, and in fact, at this point, he was semi-retired, taking his workday down from five days to four days a week. Now, the reason that he took his workday just down to four days rather than retiring completely wasn't because of money. He had plenty of that. He just wanted to look after his patients, and he was worried if he completely left, then they would be left without a competent psychiatrist. Kelsey began to become quite demanding in what she wanted from Thomas. At first, he might give her a couple of hundred dollars here and there, but then one day she texted Thomas to tell him she was in a tricky situation. She couldn't get a rental property because she had bad credit scores, but she had two children to look after and she needed a place to live. Something that will come up again and again in this case is that Thomas was incredibly generous. He had the finances to be so and he wanted to help as many people as possible. 
the list of people that he helped is quite long and there isn't one specific type of person that he helped in particular but he definitely had more of an urge to help single mums and this might have been why he decided to help Kelsey so much in the first place. He leased a new car for her and paid the monthly fees for it and on top of this he actually took out a place, a rental place in his name and he'd pay the monthly cost for that and Kelsey moved herself into it and her two children and her mum and so at this point Thomas met Kelsey's mum and they got to know each other quite well. Throughout this arrangement, Thomas would provide Kelsey with a monthly allowance, which is something we often see in sugar daddy um, relationships. And now a sugar daddy relationship is oftentimes where someone, usually an older wealthy man, will provide money or financial support for a younger, usually very good looking young lady. And the agreement of this isn't necessarily the same as traditional sex work. It's a lot more or can be a lot more sporadic where the person will pay a monthly fee and they won't necessarily get specific things back for that but there often is some kind of an arrangement although as I said at the beginning this hasn't been specifically reported and so we just don't know what exactly went on between Kelsey and Thomas. Kelsey told her friends that her and Thomas's arrangement was purely platonic and she said that he just gave her money because he had a soft spot for her. And Thomas said the same thing in terms of helping her out. He said that he had a specific focus on helping single mums, as we know. And so he really wanted to help Kelsey out. And that's why he was giving her the money. It was nothing more than that. But of course, it has been reported in a number of different places that there was a more intimate side to the relationship. I do not know the truth of this. There's nothing in the evidence of the court documents that I read that confirmed this. However, over the course of their relationship or arrangement, Thomas gave Kelsey over $300,000. So make of that what you will. Even though it wasn't unusual for Thomas to give money to people, his relationship with Kelsey was different because she kept asking and asking and she started demanding more and more money and Thomas would give her it. By the time Thomas was into his late 60s, he began exhibiting early signs of dementia, often getting lost and forgetting essential information like his PIN numbers and passwords. As his dementia symptoms progressed, he began to exhibit concerning behaviour and Judy thought he might be being taken advantage of. When he started sending the younger women money, or even giving it to his patients and those around him who might have been struggling financially, he'd usually give them 10 or $20, and sometimes up to a couple of hundred. But Judy noticed that he was now sending Kelsey sometimes up to a couple of thousand. Kelsey was threatened by Thomas's partner, Judy. She knew that Judy didn't like her and one time had texted Thomas saying that if Judy got Kelsey evicted from this apartment that Thomas was paying for, then she would kill her. But Judy wasn't scared of Kelsey. She told Thomas that she thought Kelsey was taking him for a ride. Thomas knew things had to change. Kelsey was demanding more and more money and he just didn't want to pay it anymore. And so he told Kelsey that their arrangement was going to be changing and he was going to be cutting her off. Now, he didn't want to leave her out there on her own with no house. And so he said he would continue paying the rental payment for three more months while she decided what she was going to do and get herself figured out. 
Kelsey wasn't about to give up her lifestyle though. And so she made a plan to make sure that Thomas would continue giving her the money. And she told him that if he didn't continue with those payments, with the rental payments and everything else he was giving her, then she would go to the police and she would tell them he had been inappropriate with children. Now remember, he's a child psychiatrist. Not only is it his job, but it's his life. He spent the last 40 years building relationships with his community and the children. Parents and everyone trusted him. It didn't matter whether or not the accusations were true in terms of his reputation. Any kind of accusation would lead to him almost certainly being let go of. And then what would be left for him? This threat completely broke Thomas. He decided that he had to keep paying Kelsey. And so over the next few months, he continued with that monthly allowance and Kelsey's car and home payments. It was during this time in 2018 that Kelsey decided she wanted a fresh start. And so she decided to up and move to Las Vegas. She thought there would be more opportunities there for her to network and build her modeling career. Now, obviously moving house is a very expensive thing and she expected Thomas to pay for that. And he did. He set up all the moving costs and he paid for her new place in Las Vegas. And then in early March, Kelsey told Thomas that she was in trouble. She was now only looking after one of her children because the other one had been taken away. She didn't have custody of them anymore. And on top of that, she was unwell and couldn't work. So she couldn't afford things that she needed. She needed more money because of that. And she finished by saying that her current boyfriend was abusing her. Thomas sent Kelsey even more money, but it wasn't long after that that he told his friend that he was planning on cutting all financial ties with Kelsey. Judy had filled him in on what she'd been seeing on Kelsey's social media pages. Now, what she'd seen was that Kelsey wasn't unwell at all, or certainly didn't appear to be. She would be out often a few times a week partying. And so Thomas decided he had to go to Las Vegas to confront her himself and tell her that he wasn't taken anymore. He was going to cut her off. It's reported in some places that Judy knew that Thomas was going to Las Vegas and in other places that she only found out once he was there and he called her to let her know. But either way, Judy supported Thomas in what he wanted to do. That included from his lifestyle to to how he spent his money. But by now she was becoming more worried because of his dementia symptoms getting worse. She thought that Kelsey would be able to take even more advantage of him in this state. It's reported that either during a conversation before Las Vegas or once he was in Las Vegas, Judy was trying to convince Thomas not to go or to come back, but Thomas said that he needed to do this on his own. And that's when Judy said she could come with him, but he was determined he was going to sort things out himself. And so on the 1st of March 2019, Thomas boarded a flight and headed to Las Vegas. Judy didn't hear from Thomas the following day and she sent him a message but got no reply. By this point, she was beginning to grow extremely concerned. She knew that Thomas was going into an unstable and unknown situation. And so on the 2nd of March, she actually reported him as missing. Judy got a text from Thomas's phone on the 2nd of March. So that's the day after he has gone to Las Vegas and the day that she's reported him missing. She got a text from his phone saying that he just needed to conclude things and he would be back soon. He'd come back the very next day. But Judy would later say this didn't sound like Thomas. It wasn't how he usually texts. And so she was very worried. 
she told police that Thomas's notebook was missing. Now, this is something that he used, presumably because of his memory problems with his dementia symptoms, that he would use to store important things like PIN numbers and passwords. And Judy said this was missing. And she went on to tell police that she thought Thomas had been murdered. Now, obviously, this is an incredibly serious accusation. And so they asked Judy why she thought that and who had murdered him. And that's when she gave them the name Kelsey Turner. Now, thankfully, Judy did have some details about where Thomas was heading. She knew he was paying the rent on Kelsey's house and so gave them that address. And so police headed straight there to conduct a welfare check. They tried a number of times, but there was no one there. On their third visit back to the house, the officers became suspicious though, when one of them checked the front door and realized it was unlocked. On a closer look, they saw that a number of the lights were on. And when they went inside, they had a look around, but no one was there. What was puzzling though, was that there were a number of cleaning products around the house and there were boxes with things that had been packed into them, almost as if the people in the house were looking to move out. They went upstairs and they found a door, the door to Kelsey's son's bedroom that had been ripped off of its hinges and was damaged and they found some bloody clothes that they would later identify as belonging to Thomas. On the 7th of March 2019, a phone call was being made to police on the highway just outside of Las Vegas. A man had been driving past this little part of the desert with his children when he'd seen an abandoned car. He called the police at 10.50am and told them what he'd found. Once police arrived, they could see that both front windows were down and the doors were unlocked. On the front passenger seat, there were some plastic gloves and there was clear evidence that a fire had been started, although thankfully it's somehow been extinguished. Most likely it had just gone out before it had chance to blow up the car and the rest of the car was in pretty good condition. There was no mistaking the blood that was in the front of the car or the unmistakable stench of decomposition. Inside the boot, officers found that it was full of clothing and some blue and white striped towels and underneath those towels, was the body of a man. Now, it did take them some time to identify who the person in the boot was, and that was because the person's face had been beaten so badly that it was unrecognizable, but they did eventually identify the body as that of Thomas. The police traced the car belonging to a man who was living in Nevada, and when they went to question him about it, he told them that he didn't own the car at the minute, he wasn't using it, he had subleased it to a woman. And that woman was, of course, Kelsey Turner. Now, the police had obviously managed to gain access to Kelsey's house. They knew she wasn't there. But when they were inside, they'd found a number of damning things. And one of those things were some blue and white striped towels that seemed to match, certainly in appearance and make, they seemed to match the towels that had been found with Thomas's body. And on top of this, they knew that the car had been subleased to Kelsey, and so they issued a warrant for her arrest. And on the 21st of March 2019, Kelsey was arrested. At the time of her arrest, Kelsey of course denied everything, and in fact, she said that the person who had harmed Thomas was her roommate, Diana. The police didn't need to go out and search for this roommate because Diana came in voluntarily and gave the police a statement. And what she told them, as well as the evidence found by investigators, gives us a view of what actually happened on that horrific day. 
Kelsey had been living in that Las Vegas home paid for by Thomas, and she was living there with her boyfriend that Thomas knew about. His name was John Logan Tennyson, and their two roommates, Diana and Jeremy. Diana was working at a bar as a bartender nearby, and Jeremy would come and go from the house often with his on and off girlfriend. On the 2nd of March, 2019, so the day after Thomas had arrived in Las Vegas, he was at Kelsey's home and Jeremy's uh, girlfriend came over as well. And Jeremy was there, Diana was there and Kelsey's boyfriend, John, was there as well. And they were all having some drinks together. Kelsey noticed that Thomas was being flirted with by Jeremy's girlfriend. Kelsey had been extremely vocal about how much money Thomas had been giving her and Jeremy's girlfriend wanted to get in on it. This made Kelsey extremely angry and she shouted at the girlfriend and this caused Jeremy and his girlfriend to leave. During this time, Kelsey was seemingly angry at Thomas and she took his phone and started going through it. And on that phone, she found messages from a woman and some suggestive photos. That woman wasn't just anyone, it was someone that Kelsey knew very well. It was her own mum. With that, Kelsey threatened Thomas with the lie again about him being inappropriate with children. And after that, Thomas became so upset, presumably, that he went upstairs into one of the bedrooms and he chose Kelsey's son's bedroom. Now he went in there and he locked himself inside and he wouldn't open the door for anyone. Kelsey's boyfriend, John, went up to the bedroom and he threatened Thomas through the door. He had a baseball bat and he said he was going to knock the door down. Diana later testified that by the time she entered the room, after the door had been knocked down, something bad had happened to Thomas. She didn't see exactly what, but he was covered in blood and there was a large bruise forming. He was clearly at risk of concussion. Diana brought Thomas downstairs and told Kelsey and John they needed to go to the hospital. This was very serious, but Diane couldn't drive, so she was going to need Kelsey or John to drive them to the hospital. Kelsey said she would take Thomas to the hospital, but she was worried that he might grasp on her, and so told Diana to go back into the house and clean up any evidence. But when Diana was leaving the garage area where they were all at and going towards the upstairs area of the house to clean the blood, she heard from downstairs Kelsey shout at John to knock Thomas out. She ran back down the stairs, but Kelsey wouldn't let her back in the room and told her to just go upstairs and carry on cleaning. What Diana didn't know was that Thomas was in the garage being subjected to horrific abuse. Thomas was hit over the head again and again with the butt of a gun and he was hit with another unknown object that left a specific pattern on his face. A knife was used, a knife was used to cut part of his ear off and he was hit again. Thomas agreed that if the hospital asked, he would just say that he was mugged. He said he didn't want Kelsey to get into trouble. Now after this, Kelsey became worried when she realised that the police had come to her house to do a welfare check. I couldn't find any specific information on how she knew this because obviously she wasn't at the house. But either way, it freaked her out enough that she booked a hotel for herself, her boyfriend John and their roommate Diana and they all went there that night. 
Meanwhile, back at the house, one of the housemates, Jeremy, had returned home, but he couldn't actually get inside because he didn't have a key to the garage. I'm not sure why this meant that he wasn't able to get inside, but either way, he couldn't gain entry. And whilst he was there waiting outside, the police came to do one of these welfare checks on Thomas. Jeremy admitted to them that he didn't know what was going on, but he had seen Thomas there the day before. He and his girlfriend had gotten into an argument with Kelsey, and so they'd left, and they didn't know what was going on. After the police had left, Jeremy called John and he managed to go to the hotel and retrieve that garage key so he was able to gain access into the house and when he went inside, he would later say that he couldn't help but notice the strong smell of ammonia. After that night, Kelsey and her young child, as well as her boyfriend John and housemate Diana, returned to the house and did more cleaning. Whilst they were there, the boyfriend went and took the car with Thomas's body still inside and abandoned it in the desert. Although they'd done some of the cleaning, there were still very clear stains and evidence of what had happened, and so they called in a cleaning service. When Kelsey called that service, she said that they'd had a party and things had gotten out of hand. And so when the cleaners came in, they told police later that they assumed the red stains were wine. They never even considered that they could be blood because there was so much. And of course, they'd left the house unlocked by this point, which is why the police could then gain access when they next came back. Diana admitted that while she'd been cleaning and Thomas was in the car in the garage with both Kelsey and John, she'd heard John come back into the house. When she went to investigate what was going on, she saw that John was covered with blood. Diana continued cleaning, adding that she just started crying and she didn't know what to do. After she'd finished, she headed over to her boyfriend's house that night, but she never went to the police. Kelsey decided that if anyone asked, she would say that Thomas went to California with a couple of people that she didn't know. The investigating team tracked Kelsey's phone records and they saw the pings from her phone uh, tracked her journey all the way to where the car was eventually found in the desert. And then on the 7th of March, her phone was completely turned off. The medical examiner wasn't able to tell exactly when Thomas had died. There were two options. Either he had died from all of the blunt force trauma to his head before he'd been stuffed into the boot or he was alive when he was stuffed into the boot and died soon after. The police arrested John, Diana and Kelsey all on suspicion of murder. Diana accepted a plea deal saying that she had no involvement in the murder, but she should have gone to the police sooner. And she was given three years for this. Kelsey's boyfriend, John, got a plea deal. He was sentenced to 18 to 45 years. At his sentencing hearing, he apologised for all the pain he had caused. And at the same hearing, Judy spoke about how the events of Thomas's disappearance mean that now she feels absolute terror and panic if she ever can't contact a loved one. She often has dreams about Thomas returning home and this all having been a nightmare. But the actual nightmare was when she woke up and had to live life without him. Kelsey pleaded guilty to second-degree murder, where she entered an Alfred plea, which means that she doesn't necessarily accept responsibility for doing it, but she does realise that there is enough evidence that she probably will be convicted. She was sentenced to 10 to 25 years in prison. Kelsey's Instagram now has over 130,000 followers and is still active. She has in her bio how you can contact her and is allegedly still speaking to men and dating men on the outside. And she also created a business from behind bars called Bad Barbie LLC and continues to work on that. 
The Chief Deputy District Attorney, Pamela Weckerly, said, quote, She was content to leave someone she knew for a number of years, who supported her and her child financially for a number of years, to rot in the back of the car that he paid for. Thank you for watching this episode of Red Rum. I really appreciate your support. Thank you so much for being here. I will see you next week for another episode of Red Rum. Bye.